Okay, so people, oh, the good people out there, me and Kelsey, it seems like anymore nowadays, I'm always having technical difficulties, but Kelsey has been so patient working with me this afternoon to try and get both of our audio feeds to work well. And so I welcome everyone back to another um, eventful episode of Honor Redefined, where we hold open discussions about the adventures of womanhood. I am your host, Ariana Williams, and today I am joined by my good friend, Kelsey Lee. Welcome, Kelsey. Hello. Hello, hello. So Kelsey is a 34-year-old account manager. She is a wonderful mom and wife, and she is a good friend of mine who I'm super excited to talk with today. She's got so much knowledge, so much information, and she's probably like, please don't boast me like that right now. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I really do believe that. And so, you know, Kelsey, when we come to Honor Redefined, we want to know a lot about women's stories and just where they come from, how they got there and where they are now. And so maybe you could start us off by um, how about you start with just telling us how did you get into the field that you're in? I know that you've been doing that for a long period of time. I I know maybe not per se the account manager, but the the career in the field that you work in, you've been doing that since I think we met each other when we met each other in college. So just how did you even get to that part of it and what drew your interest to it? Sure. Okay. So um, like Ari said, I am um, an account manager for a local software company. Um, we focus uh, mainly on any sort of payment transaction um, for college campuses and universities um, really across the world. And I have gotten into this field um, like right when I graduated college. I have always taken my dad's advice um, for, for better or for worse. He always has uh, tried to guide me in you know, what would be a good path. And um, he told me, you know, hey, Kels, why don't you, why don't you go apply at this company? And at the time, it was called Perceptive Software. Mm -hmm. And you know, I didn't think that he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to listen to your parents, even though more often than not, they're always right. <laughs> so I, I actually did take a chance and listen to him. And I applied at this company called Perceptive Software. And um, to my surprise, they like offered me a job the very next day. Mm. And I started this company um, in an entry-level marketing role and quickly realized that, you know, marketing just was not my jam. Um, I really liked, you know, working with customers and, you know, kind of being more problem solving, which is not necessarily what my specific role in marketing was at the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, Way back then, I I actually started in inside sales, and I would you know build these relationships with all of these colleges and universities um, across the U.S. and I like loved it. Um, if you know me, like I love making new friends and just kind of making small talk with people, and that was kind of all my role was to make sure that these customers were happy and taken care of. And if they had any needs whatsoever, like I was their first point of contact. Mm -hmm. And um, from that kind of role, like you really only have one 
one career path per se, and that would be to go into outside sales. Um, and the older that I got and like really doing some self-reflection, that career path was not one that I wanted to necessarily go down. Um, mm. Is I there a reason why? Well, I think they're just with outside sales, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of travel that comes along with that. You know, I looked mm. at my years and they were gone Sunday through Thursday and they would be home for Friday, Saturday, and then they'd be back on the road again. And that's not the lifestyle that I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. While I do love being around my friends and, you know, being out and about, like I do like being home. I'm a homebody um, kind of at heart. So the fact that I would be gone all the time, I just, it was not the lifestyle for me. Yeah. Um, not to say that that's wrong. There's a lot of people that do it and love it. Um, so I kind of had to make a choice. And at the time, gosh, this was, I don't know, 2014 or so, okay. um, so like six, seven years ago, I, one of my coworkers, who's one of my really good friends, um, she had gotten promoted and was going to be starting a new team. Um, and it, it was sales operations. So um, for those that don't know, it's kind of like the people behind the scenes who are helping the sales team do all of the tasks that, you know, they need to do in order to get their deals closed. Um, and it required a lot more problem solving and a lot more in-depth knowledge of everything that goes on at the company behind the scenes. Um, and I really liked that aspect of it to learn something new, to build more on these skills that I already had. Mm-hmm. I'm a subject matter expert on something, you know, within my company. Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. And from there, my career kind of took off. Um, I, became a lead on our team after a few years. Um, and it was just an incredible experience. And, um, shortly after I had my daughter, I decided, um, there were throughout all of these changes over the years, my company, we acquired several different companies and we kept growing and growing and the responsibilities and workload became more and more and more. And, you know, when you, when you have kids, all of a sudden, like your time is so extra valuable. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had to realize, like, do I want to keep climbing this ladder and keep being really awesome in my career? Or do I want to try to find more of a work-life balance and be a good mom and a good employee? Um, so I kind of took a step back and reevaluated and found this wonderful company. Um, it's a smaller software company still within the higher ed space, which I love. Okay. And, um, you know, here we are today. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, kind of in that same sales operations background. Um, we are called account managers, but um, really it's, it's not necessarily managing those accounts. It's managing everything else behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a, there's a lot more depth that goes on with your work now, even though it's just this blanket title account manager. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's also various companies have certain naming conventions and, you know, sometimes you get stuck with 
that kind of title, even though what you do is so much more than that blanket title. Mm-hmm. I find that that can be kind of frustrating sometimes when we have a blanket title that does have so much that goes with it, because I don't want to say it's that you don't, you don't get the recognition in all those areas, but it doesn't quite quantify what it is that we do. So then it ends up having to be all these extra things, right. That you explain to someone, well, I do this too. And then there's this thing, (laughs) there's this thing. And it's just this long uh, list of things that fall under that, that don't always equate in, in my, in my thoughts and opinion. No, I, and I would totally agree. Um, But sometimes I do think it's hard when you Mm -hmm. do have all of these things, like nobody wants to have a job title that's four sentences long. True. Um, So you kind of have to, find a balance between like, what can we, what can we call this, but still, you know, give somebody, I don't know. Recognition. Yeah. The recognition that they need while also, I don't know. I think that that's honestly probably where your resume comes in. Right. So you can kind of explain Mm -hmm. all the things that I do. Here's what this title means, but you're right. It's difficult to kind of quantify here's all of the stuff that I'm capable of doing when that title is so blanketed. Yeah. I have a question for you just because I'm curious when it comes to sales. Now I am, I'm going to be a little biased because I don't know. I've never really done sales. I've never been really good at that. Is that an industry that tends to be diversified like men and women, or is it, is it, in my bias, is it still a male dominated field? You know, I, as you asked that question, I have been kind of looking at my sales teams over the years. And I will say, I think it is still more, um, there are for sure more men than there are women. Um, and I don't know if it's just because by nature, men are more, um, or perceived as more aggressive kind of go-getters mm-hmm. in the sales world. You might hear hunters or farmers that term, those terms thrown out a lot okay. where um, hunters you think of are, they're going after those new clients and, you know, they kind of, they're with those people for such a short amount of time. And then they pass them off to what are called the farmers who really cultivate those relationships and are, um, building a long-term, um, you know, hopefully partnership with that customer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes, not all the time, because there are women on, you know, those hunter teams, but, you know, you, you really have to be aggressive and um, kind of have a really strong drive to compete with all of these men who mm-hmm. that becomes a little bit more easy for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that stems from sometimes maybe if you are the buyer, people trust men more than women. I don't know. Hmm. Because they've just been in, in these roles longer, they've got more experience or people have helped coach them more than they would a female. Yeah, There's a lot that goes into that. I think that, I don't know. I think as women are becoming more empowered, those 
typical stereotypes and those norms might be shattering a little bit, but because they've been in place for so long, I think there's still a long way to go where you would see an equal amount of men and women on a sales team. Okay. Well, and that makes me think about, so earlier when you were telling us about your journey um, into into sales and as an account manager, you made mention about having to make this decision about, do I want to climb this ladder, go, you know, as far as high as I can go on this, or am I going to find this work-life balance? And you specifically said, I'm having to make a choice between being a good mom or a good employee. And can you maybe talk a little bit about what, what having to make a decision like that is like and why you feel like it's so important, especially because obviously women are the birthers, right? Like they're the ones who are uh, having the children. And so there's a different dynamic that has to occur for a woman to make a choice about what they're going to do career with their career. So I'm just wondering if you could maybe touch on that since you are a mom and you did have to go through that process of making a decision. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's so tough because like we already have kind of a few more cards stacked against us as women. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then like you work so hard all through college and then like getting your job and proving your worth um, and your value. You work so hard at that for so long. And obviously, you know, some women are totally content with being, you know, career focused and career driven and, um, and that that's okay. That's what they want. Not, not every woman needs to have children. Uh, for those that do want families, it does kind of put you in a little bit of a, a tough situation because um, for me, I gave my everything into my job and, you know, I was okay with that because that was, you know, my priority and that was my focus and I was making a name for myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you do have a child, you know, they are equally as important. And there were a lot of times where I would go to work, I would come home, I would feed and take care of Madison. And then she would go to bed and I would stay up for hours working and doing more um, that I just couldn't get done during my normal work day. And like, you just kind of have to some, some, for some people, maybe that's okay. And they are super women. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, you know, I, if I did that, I started noticing I was just getting burnt out and not just at work, but it was at work and at home. Mm-hmm. I just like burning the candle at both ends. And I don't know very many people who can do that for a prolonged period of time and be successful in both aspects of their lives. Certainly. So, you know, it's kind of hard and you have to think about like what your priorities are. And for me at the time, you know, I, I wanted to still have work be a priority, but my family was higher priority for me. Yeah. They're only little for so long and then they're gone. So, um, I just, I knew that I needed to make a change and I'm so happy that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed to work with a lot of really great people, both in my last 
company and at this current one. Um, and it's just, I think that women need to do what makes most sense for them and know that if you need to put your family first, that's okay. And, you know, there will come a time where your kids are a little bit older and maybe they don't need you as much all the time. And you can get back into more of the things that, um, your interests you're interested in or that you want to pursue. Mm -hmm. Not a permanent thing. It's just temporary. Yeah. I can imagine that even when it's, even when it's temporary, it can feel like such a pressure to have to consider what to do because in, in some of the experiences I've seen from other people, they, there's this idea of, well, if I do put this down, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get back to it. I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait or put my dreams aside or whatever it is that you're thinking about, because you are like, you want to make this decision for your family. You want to make sure that they're okay. You want to make sure that you're okay. Uh, And then at the same time, you're having to put this, this part of you aside. And I just feel like I, I would imagine that there's such a, um, not autonomous, that's not the word I'm looking for, but just this undue pressure and not always knowing what, where that pressure is coming from. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I would agree. Like, it, I think there is like, you always hear these or like see the um, quotes or whatever, where you um, women feel like they have kind of the weight of on their shoulders. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's true. Like, I think that you... You definitely feel like that. Um, and it's more so like amplified when you're a working mom because you are pulled in so many different directions and you're just like juggling all of these different things, hoping that you don't drop something. Yeah. Do you ever think about, or maybe you can just touch on why do you think that that may not be the same when we talk about men? Like why, why does that tend to fall so heavily on women or why do women feel like it falls so heavily on them? And why do we maybe not see the same types of pressures um, on men? And of course, I know that this is just from your, your opinion and experience, but just, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh man, gosh, you know, I really don't know what the right answer is to that. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's just, you know, for however long society has been around, like the men have always been the ones that go out and earn the money and climb the ladder and take care of their families. And the women kind of stay home and raise their children and keep the house together. I don't know if, if because a lot of the way people were raised, like this goes back, you know, generations, obviously mm-hmm. it, those ideals are just sometimes kind of hard to shake. And even if you're not like thinking that way, if maybe it's like a subconscious men are just more wired to, to not be the ones that are at home raising kids. Cause like you see it today, if there's a stay at home dad or Mm -hmm. a dad that does take on that role of the primary parent, Mm -hmm. they're almost kind of, um, I don't want to say like shunned because I don't think that's the right word, but it's outside of the norm and people question like, 
well, why are you doing that? That's weird. What does your mm-hmm. wife do? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of questioning about yeah, them. Yeah, a lot of questioning about them. So I don't know if, if it's just this is how the majority of society thinks. And even if they don't, they're not consciously doing it, I feel like there's just this expectation that, you know, the men are able to go off and, and do more things while the women have to make certain sacrifices in order to kind of juggle it all. Yeah. If that makes sense at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, um, there's, it could very well be just this traditional sense of this is what's supposed to happen. Um, you know, and we talk about social constructs uh, sometimes on this, this podcast and, it could be that there's some unlearning that's, you know, happening for people to be able to get to that place, but there is still, there could just be so much still ingrained in what we're used to doing. And also some confusion about the pushback, you know, having more people who are wanting to be stay at home fathers or fathers who balance out more of of a career and a family. And it, it, I would imagine to some people, it probably is still very confusing. Just like you said, like, wait, so what does your wife do? Like, you know, or what, what is this other person who's helping you do? Uh, and so there's, there's probably a lot of undue pressure on both sides. Ones that maybe we don't, we can't even begin to comprehend as women. And so of course we can only speak from our position, but that is something that I've seen. I'm sure everybody's seen throughout history that it does tend to fall on the women when it comes to child care. And then, you know, that puts a predicament when, especially when they're a career woman and they want to do both and they have to try and figure out how do I maintain the life that I've created and that I've wanted. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I will say too, like being in this wonderful pandemic that we are in. I (laughs) I love how you call it wonderful. (laughs) I think that it has only amplified like the tough position that working moms are in because like now all of a sudden you are expected to work and be a teacher and be a mom and do all these things. And it's just, it's a lot of weight on the shoulders of women in America. Yeah. I will say, I say I call it wonderful because, um, you know, had had we not been in this mm-hmm. situation, Madison would be at a daycare or some other sort of childcare facility, mm-hmm. you know, five days a week, forty hours a week, whatever. Um, and I have been blessed with all this extra time with her that I otherwise would not have had. Yeah. Uh, so on on one hand, while it is very challenging at times it this has been very um just kind of i don't know an interesting twist of events um you know going from dropping her off at her first day of daycare and being so sad and upset about it to mm-hmm. the gift of having all this extra time mm-hmm. with her when she is young it is it is kind of nice yeah well it's yeah. such a beautiful time for it to happen when you during an age where you can't get that time back. Right. You know, and, and just being able to be more present for her while this thing is going on, which of course is, has been tragic in so many ways. Mm-hmm. However, there are, 
ways to find good things that can come out of those experiences that we're all having. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes you really just have to find the positive and not yeah. get sucked into the negative. Yeah. Uh, so I focus on, on things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So for you, when you think about your, your womanhood and then now having motherhood, how do you feel like your womanhood has influenced your motherhood? Like what kind of an impact has that had on wanting to be a good, a good mom or just be a mom in general? Gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, like knowing all of my history leading up to this point, like it has been kind of rocky um, just becoming a woman, the whole idea of womanhood. And then now a mom, um, you know, losing my mom at such a young age. And even before that, just what we had gone through with her, um, with her alcoholism and kind of having to be thrown into this life of being a grown up when you're still a kid yourself. Um, And then, you know, having her pass away while I was in college that like really amped up the transition transition into just full blown, you know, adulthood, all of that kind of, um, I don't know. It, it definitely puts a, a different perspective and a different spin on how I am a parent now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that there have been a lot of challenges that have come along with that. Um, okay. You know, just ha- being a mom and not having a mom, that is something I wouldn't wish on anybody. It's very challenging because you know, you see all of these other women who have their moms by their side as they are pregnant and then transitioning into being a mom. And, you know, you kind of um, mourn and grieve that you don't have that relationship or that experience because your mom's not here. Yeah. Uh, And like for me, becoming a mom in general was a very difficult road. Like we had two miscarriages before we got pregnant with Madison and mm-hmm. um, you don't really have anybody to help guide you through that. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that that's tough. So all of that stuff, you know, things that have happened have made me try to be a much more present mom. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the things that my mom did really great at, I try to incorporate those things into our daily life or, you know, make those like into a tradition yeah. things that my mom had always done. I want to pass those along to Madison because those were like the highlights of my childhood. Okay. And there are things that my mom did that I probably won't do. Um, because I think regardless of if your mom is alive or not, there are things that most daughters are like, I'm never going to be like that. Um, and that's just part of, I think, your mother-daughter relationship. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just there's been a lot of things that have influenced my my road to here. Yeah, I I can only imagine that the things that you had to face, all the obstacles leading up to becoming a mom, just in, or, or or even being interested in starting a family, all the things that got you to that point were 
so impactful, right? Like losing, losing your mom and having, and then also kind of having that feeling of not of loss early on, but you talked about the alcoholism. So having to learn how to become a woman through that lens and that experience and maybe not having as much guidance that would have been wanted or necessary to get you to where you were. And then having, then making that decision to want to become a mom and start a family. It, there are so many layers that you have to work through I, I only imagine to be able to make that decision. Like, you know, when am I ready to have a family? Do I feel like this is the time? Um, you know, and just having to to balance that out, you know, and walking that line of when when is this right for me? When, and how do I do it? I guess, like a lot of questions about how do I do this? Yeah, there there is a lot of questions like that. And like, you can't always go to your dad for certain things, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of a weird conversation. Hey, dad, when did you know it was right, a right time to have a kid? Or, hey, dad, what would you do in this situation? Like, there's just a lot of things you don't realize, like, throughout your lifetime, you still need your mom for a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just because they're your mom, but as a woman, she is another woman to mm -hmm. give you advice, to help guide you. And I don't know that there's um, ever a point where a mother stops nurturing her children, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that you miss out obviously on a lot of that um, when your mom um, is not around. And, you know, I, I don't, I think that there are a lot of women who are in a similar boat as me where maybe their moms have passed away, but there's also a lot of strained mother daughter relationships. And I think that it also probably, have a similar, um, you know, predicament that they're in, not predicament, but um, their stories might align with mine in the sense that you just don't have that role to, that you could go to yeah. as an individual. And you might have like, um, you know, your, your pseudo moms, like uh, uh, if you have a friend that's, you know, really close with her mom, or um, if you have a stepmother, you know, there's other relationships that you you can have with other women to kind of help you. But I don't know. I think you miss out on a lot by not having your own mom who's been there and done all the same things. Um, yeah. With you. Yeah. Who's been and with I, you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I so you made mention that as you guys were trying to build a family that you had experienced multiple miscarriages. And I'm wondering, because I know that there's someone listening to this today and they are, they're, they're just wanting to know like how they deal with that or who do I go to? What do I do? Because one of the things that I've found is that when I've, when I've talked to other people who have been through that experience a lot of times they're like nobody really talks about it like I don't even know that I didn't know other women were going through this thing and so having these concerns about you know themselves and who do I talk to just what types of things you know if you could give anyone any insight or encouragement or anything like that what might you what might they need to know or what might you say to them oh man you know and that's something to like going through them nobody you're right. Nobody talks about 
that. Um, and it is such a common thing. I think mm -hmm. this is like one in four women have a miscarriage yeah. or infant loss of some sort, which, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of people when you really start to think about it. So why aren't more women talking about it? Yeah. And, and there, there's not a whole lot of resources out there available to you. Um, you know, you, you really have to rely on your friends or your family um, that they might be able to comfort you or, you know, help give you some, some good advice or positive encouragement. But um, for me, really, like, I just wanted somebody to tell me, like, everything was going to be okay. Yeah. You, and, and also a part of that, you know, you've got to maybe lean into your face a little bit. And um, can you hear that feedback? Yeah, I just started hearing it. That's so weird. Oh, it's gone now. Okay. Um, so you kind of have to lean into your, your faith a little bit to whatever higher power that might be and know that there, there is a greater plan. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, I don't want to say that things happen for a reason because I know that at the time, if somebody were to tell me that it would have, that it would have done no good. Um, mm -hmm. And it would have actually probably hurt my feelings a little mm -hmm. bit more. Um, because at the, like you're, you're going through a loss, like you, the loss of your child and hearing, well, things happen for a reason. However, looking back, like if I wouldn't have had those miscarriages, I wouldn't have Madison today. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, I have to think that, you know, there's, there's a plan and it's not one that I know anything about, mm -hmm. and, um, one day I will get to hold those babies of mine, but until then, I just have to, to trust that everything is working out the way that it's intended. And like I kept telling myself over and over again, like this will be okay. And I will get to the other side. And yeah. if I want a family, I will be blessed with a family. And if it's with my own children, that is wonderful and perfect and everything that I would have ever hoped for. With, um, you know, at the time I was starting to look into, okay, well, maybe biological children in my future and what else, what else can I do or what other, you know, things should I start looking into, whether that was, you know, fertility help or adoption or, you know, whatever that would look like. Um, you know, I knew that I would eventually get the family that I always wanted. It just might look different than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what you just spoke to. Um, one, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that with us, for those who are listening. Cause I think that it really, one, it requires a lot of strength to be able to share those parts of yourself and uh, a lot of courage. And I just appreciate you for trusting this process today to be able to share that. But I also think that you have provided to someone out there some level of hope that, you know, like I, I can get through this, that there are, there is, there are other people out there 
who understand what I'm going through, who will understand what I'm going through. Um, and then I can, I can make it through this if I just hang on to my faith or hang on to my higher power or whatever those things are. So I just appreciate you for just, you know, being able to come in here and reveal yourself that way, because there are so many women who have, sadly, they just don't, they don't even know where to turn. They, yeah. they may not even have, you know, you made mention, like, maybe if you have some friends that you can lean on who can maybe share their, their experience, and they may not even have that. And they just want to, you know, they just want to know that someone else understands what they're yeah. going through. And yeah. I think you really just spoke to that. And so I appreciate you for, for touching on that part. Um, so in, in your, in your opinion, so after all these things that you've gone through and uh, this just self-development that you had to do, when you look back on your life or even currently, are there any particular role models for you that, that stick out in your mind as to um, having been key in your own development? You know, I was been, I have been reflecting on this um, for a while now and, I feel like I have so many different role models or women that I've looked up to. And I think part of that comes from, you know, just kind of after losing my mother, like looking for anybody who can help um, fulfill certain, I don't know, needs of mine. Um, so, you know, obviously my mom and my grandma, aunts, all of which are, are wonderful role models and people that, I've been looking up to throughout my whole life, but I also have a wonderful group of friends and um, colleagues and just, they have all blessed me in different ways um, and kind of guided me into the person that I am today. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I could pinpoint like one specific individual. I think it's been a team of people. I'm helping them grow into the that I am. Yeah. Just a variety of people, which is, I guess, in at the same time, earlier when you made mention of uh, having lost your mom, like in having these pseudo people in your life, it sounds like for you, you just had so many people along the way, but it's just this collective kind of role model idea. Yeah. And like, um, I had mentioned too, my stepmom has, you know, think like she has been um, so present in our lives. Um, and I really couldn't be more thankful for her as well. Um, you know, it takes a lot to, to marry into a family with fully grown children. I can't imagine that that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she, she has been a great role model for me, and I know she will be a great role model for Matt. Um, so I'm just I'm thankful for her and for, like you said, the whole other collective group of women um, that I have been blessed by in my life. Yeah, I you know on the the piece about stepmothers, I can definitely understand um, what you're referring to there. It does. It takes a very strong and courageous individual to um, be able to take on another person's child, 
right? Like you have to have something in you. It doesn't matter what age you take them on. And I too um, can resonate with what Kelsey's saying there because I, I also have a stepmother, which I, I, over the years don't, I've not, I do not call her stepmother because I, she fills a space for me that is more than what I deem the idea of stepmother to be. And that doesn't mean that anyone else's idea of stepmother is necessarily any different than mine, but I've always seen her as, as another mother for me, someone who I can lean on. And I, over these, especially these last few years, as I've gotten older, really been able to step back and look at what is required of someone to allow a child into their heart who isn't theirs. And then also allow them to absorb them as a, as a parent figure. Um, And it, it really does, in my opinion, it just really does take a very strong individual to be able to allow that part of them to come through. Yeah. I, you were spot on in that. Yeah. Yeah. I shout out to the step parents. We're all for you. (laughs) 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 So when we were prepping for this uh, interview, I tend to ask people, what are some of the things that they're paying attention to right now when it comes to current events? What are their sights set on and their attention? And for you, you had a a super long list (laughs) of things (laughs) That has your attention. So maybe tell us where out of the ones that you had shared with me, where are you at this point focused on? What's really got your attention around current events? Oh, man. So Ari knows this because we've been friends. I don't even actually know how many years we've been friends, Um, but it's been a very, let's see. Well, okay, wait, I would, I got to school in 2000. When did I graduate? 2004. Four. Yeah, I graduated in 2004 from high school. So um started obviously at KU at 2004. So I think since at least 2005 or six, something like that, maybe we'll go 2006. So almost 14 years. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you have known me throughout these 14 years. I worry about literally everything. Uh, and it, it, and I think that's just my nature. I get it from my grandma. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Own that. <laughs> most recently, um, yesterday, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, that really has weighed very heavy on my heart mm-hmm. um, since yesterday. Yeah. And. Um, I think that right now, like that's kind of where a lot of my focus is going to lie specifically because like she was such a pioneer for women's rights and mm-hmm. just human rights in general. And, um, I worry a lot about what this means for, you know, our next generation of little girls. And I think that that just, it really weighed very heavy on my heart yesterday and it probably will until I don't even know. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it's very sad. Um, so that, that's something. And then obviously they kind of go hand in hand with each other, but just the election that's coming up and COVID Mm -hmm. three of those things are just kind of 
all top of mind right now. Yeah. And you just everything else, just basic human rights in the yeah. world. Yeah. The, when you, cause you, I, I'm interested in hearing you about uh, in regards to um, RBG, what you said it, what this means to you or what this means for little girls um, for the future. What do you mean by that? I think um, you know, kind of what I mean by that. So she obviously has kind of paved the way for um, women's equality, women's yeah. equality in the workplace, women's just in general, women's rights. Um, but I think even more than that, just she kind of stood for basic human rights. And, yeah. that, you know, she was very much by the books, like everybody is created equal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my fear is that who are we going to have now looking out for women and little girls, you know, in at that level of government and what changes are going to be made now um, without somebody like her in our corner kind of representing like, here's what what needs to be happening to um, further progress women in in the world especially yeah. in the United States yeah. and we've made so much progress and I, my fear is that we're going to get set back and you know, the, the life that I envision for Madison and mm-hmm. that I have for her, like maybe those won't come to fruition now because she's going to get set back. However many mm-hmm. hundreds of years, decades, whatever. Yeah. Um, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I heard a th- um I I heard someone would use this phrase about how every time someone from an older generation dies that we lose a library, right? And it's sad because now that she's gone, you're right. Like now we don't have someone who has the experience and the wherewithal and the understanding of the past currently here anymore. They're not, they're no longer here. And so what that means is that we don't have anyone who maybe is controlling the, the moral and ethic meter at the top, which is scary. And, but at the same time, I'm hopeful as we talk about women's empowerment and we talk about changing structures and, you know, expectations of various groups that, we will have, and I know we will, I, I, I just don't know how long it'll take. It, someone will step up, right? Some little girl out there is sitting around going, I can't believe she's gone. That's, I have to be the one who fills that role someday, right? And so that will drive them as they continue throughout their future. But it's scary not having those people at the top who do have that 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 moral compass that just says, we every it has to matter to everyone equality has to be here for everyone and so let's fight for that as a common goal which we know that she did and so losing her just feels like a piece of you is gone you know or a piece of our um our society's expectation our expectation for society is now gone uh and it just kind of leaves us to the sharks (laughs) yeah if she's not if she's not here i mean i know there's other people who are up there but you get what i'm saying Yes, I, I think we're on the, the same page there. It just, you know, 
There's the fear of the unknown, I yeah. think, is what, what plays into that a lot because we don't know what lies ahead and we don't know, you know, what the future looks like um, long term or short term. Yeah. And I think that, that plays a huge role into probably all of the different emotions that people are feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, thing. Yeah. Well, we just got to get more women who are hunters and more more women who are farmers. And I think we'll be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, you know, kind of reflecting back on what we were talking about, yeah. like being a working mom, she was like the epitome of, you know, somebody who was a mom, but also who had, was very career driven. Like, yeah, you made it all the way to the top. So mm-hmm. she can do it. The rest of us can do it too. Yeah. We're standing on the shoulders of greatness. Yep. Kelsey, it's been so great today. So you know that when we are in this podcast, we are trying to figure out and answer one specific question. And so for you, when you think about womanhood, in your opinion, is it a journey or is it a destination? I I am so ready for this. <laughs> I think that it is 100% a journey. And I say that because there are no woman's story is exactly alike. Everybody is on their own unique path with their own unique circumstances and um, trials that they go through. So I don't know that, you know, I I don't think you can have the same destination as somebody. So I think that it's going to be a journey. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I love it. Okay. Anything else that you want to tell the listeners today? You know, I think just stay strong, be kind, and uh, and just lead with some understanding. I love how you said that at the end, lead with some understanding. Because if we lead with understanding, then there's a chance that we're going to, we're going to learn a little more about one another. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Kelsey, it has been so great having you on today. I, I feel like I say this to everybody, but we have to have you back on. I know that you have experienced so many things that someone's going to write me and say, Hey, I need to know more about this. And so we're going to have to have you back so you can answer those questions and just tell us more about you to the audience. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed today's journey of womanhood. Please join us for future episodes and stories about our womanly adventures. I am always looking to expand horizons. Therefore, if you have a story that needs to be shared, please contact me on Instagram at Honor Redefined. You can find Honor Redefined on Anchor, Google Podcast, and Spotify. If you would like to connect with our guests today, you can find her information in the show's descriptions. And if you like this episode, which I can only imagine that you did, you can, if you want us to reach out to a wider audience, you can share or like or follow us on Instagram. I am your host, Ariana Williams, and this is Honor Redefined. Until next time, stay true and be you.